Hello, everyone, and welcome to State of the Realm, your weekly Final Fantasy XIV podcast. This week, 10 days for those of you watching on Twitch, 9 days for those of you watching on YouTube. Let's just call it about a week and say we're almost there. We're in the home stretch, but there's still more news to cover, stuff that came out of the E3 interviews that you may or may not have heard about, including stuff about Ishgard Restoration, which has me pretty excited. And anyway, I'm one of your hosts, Michael, Mr. Happy Poveromo, and despite a joke that I wanted to do at the start of the show, I think I'll just introduce him as is. Sly, aka Sly the Fox, aka Sly, aka Great Fox, aka you, my boy, Blue. How you doing, Sly? Feasible. Yeah? Yeah. You doing all right? I'm doing good. You're doing good. All right. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear it. I wanted to just say something right now, but I think it might be too soon to say it because I realized I've created the perfect joke between the two of us. That would have made even more sense considering the joke I was about to make at the beginning of the show, but decided not to. I'd say go ahead and say it. Well, the first thing is originally I was going to introduce Sly. I was going to pretend we had Tom Holland on as a guest, and then I was going to say, nah, just kidding, it's Sly. Um, the other half of that I'm going to leave off of YouTube because it was Sly's idea, and I think he didn't think it all the way through. <laughs> but even more so, based on an event that took place within an hour ago, I was going to tell Sly I loved him a certain number, and I feel like that would have applied very much so towards referring to Tom Holland. So I'll leave the rest of it to those of you who know what I'm talking about. So I think Sly's put it together at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would have been that would have been good. Would have been. Yeah, it's too late now though. I'll leave everyone else to piece it all together. It's all it's a mystery. Ooh. Ooh. Well, Sly, it's just you and me this show. We haven't done one of these in uh, a few weeks. Wow, yeah, it's a little more intimate. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely, I love you ninety thousand and two. <laughs> that's gonna be so used next week. Oh, uh, that's that's gonna be wonderful. Um, yeah, so it was mostly just news stuff to cover this week. We had Ethos on to talk about a lot of lore stuff last week. We had, mm-hmm. you know, we had Tate and Momo on the one week. We've had, we've had just concept discussions about media tour stuff and about predictions and about live letters and whatnot. But this but week... We're close now. We're close. We're close. It's closer than it seems. Mm-hmm. You want to know what's really weird? They do that countdown with the art, and it tells... It's how many days until launch, but mm-hmm. none of us who are actually playing are live. We're like, that's fucking wrong. That's wrong. That's cute, but wrong. It's like, oh, I think the blue mage, I think they showed a blue mage one for 14 days. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but it's 10 days. That doesn't that doesn't make sense, everybody. It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh but we had a lot of information come out of E3 that kind of uh stuck under the radar for some people. Uh some of it did, some of it didn't. Some of it hilarious, some of it informative. So I figured we'd do a little bit more relaxed of a show and just kind of dig through some of that information from some of the JP Media outlets. Gamer Escape, of course, got to do an interview. And a quick little nod towards Easy Allies, since they had the most meme question that, uh, or at least the question that had the most memes made of it, I feel. Sound good? Sounds good. All right, well, before we do that, guys, don't forget this show is sponsored by Steel Series. They've been sponsoring the show. We're not going to do another giveaway for Steel Series until July comes around. So uh, basically July 2nd when we do that show, we'll be starting up those monthly Steel Series giveaways that they provide again. Um, but just remind, just a reminder that they're a sponsor. And we also have our Patreon sponsors, who Sly's very, very familiar with at this point. And uh, we'll be shouting them out about the midway point of the show. So thank you to Patreon. Thank you to Steel Series. Let's get started. Hold your pod champs until then. 
Yeah, Sly Sly wanted uh, and Ethis wanted the preliminary pog champs last week because we weren't going to do them because the show started at such a weird weird time. It's only been three four days since the last show at this point. Yeah, it's always weird when the shows work out like that. What are you smiling about? Oh, because they're doing it already. He said to hold them. Oh, you guys can't control yourselves. Unbelievable. Yeah. All right. So we're going to be going over a bunch of interviews today. Uh, some of these translations were posted on Reddit by user Carrier of Light. Thank you to them. They do tons of. Thank you. They do tons of translation work on Reddit. I reference them all the time for videos. And also Gamer Escape got to do an interview that has some pretty interesting questions and answers and release dates for some features in there as well. So what do you say we start with the JP Media one slide? Just literally go down the list, maybe down skip around a little bit. Yeah. The first yeah. one's uh, kind of funny because it's about uh, Titania at E3 <laughs> and the clear rate being shit. <laughs> okay. Like people told me this and like people came in stream and told me like, hey, the clear rate's kind of about like, like really low, like maybe about 30%. I'm like, well, here's the thing. At events like this, you, well, especially E3, you get a lot of people who, you know, you might not have a full group and, hey, somebody needs to fill in a seat who's never played 14 at all. So um, that might be a reason why some people were saying DPS. I'm like, really? DPS an issue now? Huh? Healing would be the issue. Well, a big thing, <laughs> healing. I don't think you should say the words healing and issue in the same sentence. I th think there's some people who might uh, who might be, oh, you want to hear some issues, huh? Um, yeah. That's not the only thing, though. I remember Susano also having a really bad clear rate two years ago because um, the E3 before an expansion launch is always a primal mm -hmm. no one's ever fought before with mm -hmm. jobs that they never played at that level range before. Right. Um. Plus people who have and haven't played the game before. Plus people who may or may not actually be good at the game if they have played it before. <laughs> yep. Tons and tons of things that you have to take into account. Um, and for Titania, the first day was uh, about 30%-ish. Uh, yeah, it was a little bit lower than 30%. So much so that they buffed it on the second day. But there was a lot of information to take away from that Titania clear there's tons of footage posted all over the place updated tool tips for various jobs fixed tool tips changes that were made and uh at the same time i feel like i i learned nothing about most jobs from all the information <laughs> that came out about titania did you get a did you get to peek at any of the e3 footage that was going around like over not the yet. shoulder not yet it's uh it's pretty interesting it's pretty much a lot like the primals we have but the ad phase apparently was pretty dps intensive at least for the attendees in particular mm -hmm. and uh it was just basically three giant ads each one had an ability and yet it, it's you know the usual oh i'm gonna charge up my super attack but they were like three giant ads and pe apparently people are having issues with camera angles and the aoe's that they were dropping were huge or there weren't very many safe spots to stand so it was a pretty fun looking normal mode fight if you ever get the time to take a look yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to it. From based off what I saw from the live letter, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You know, he's playing God mode and everything. Yeah, he he always he, he does that. <laughs> he, yeah. he went a pretty long time. I was surprised. Right. He showed through the ads, which you need to stand in those puddles, and I think those puddles give you a water buff, and then that the fire fist that comes yeah, afterwards. Yeah, you yeah. take it. Take the fire fist. Yeah. Yeah, the split damage fire fist that comes afterwards. But uh, overall, yeah, stack with 
Hey, you know who did? Yeah. You know who did beat it though? Xavier Woods. Xavier Woods. Yeah, yeah. He was among the groups that beat it. I uh, I may have received a shirt from my lovely girlfriend who uh, a gift was given to me to her. From... Uh, I'm assuming you're doing the thing where you won't wear it until I won't wear it. No, I have it here, but I will not wear it until I actually get through normal mode in the story, since that's what it actually is. But yeah, there you go. There's that. Thank you to uh, Yasu and Tony, who I believe were the two people directly responsible. And also just thank you generally, because the North American community team is always awesome at those events. They are awesome. Lots of really hard work uh, workers. And uh, yet they always have time for crisp high five. And that's always value. Aya, you know, I'm talking to you. <laughs> she knows. Um, yeah. we, so the next couple things are about the Square Enix press conference, which we mm -hmm. don't really cover it. Obviously, we could have talked about Seven Remake quite a bit here. You know, it was a it was a big topic. I'm sure most people who watch the show have some interest in it, whether it's positive or negative. Um, Yoshida was on stage. He really didn't want to be, but the possibility of a Seven Remake collab came up, and it's something he's he. It seems the main reason why it may not happen is just because he doesn't want to interrupt them. He says he's specifically afraid that it's it would disrupt or affect Final Fantasy VII Remake's launch. Do we do we care? Because I want because <laughs> I want stuff. I don't even know what we get at this point. Like, what would Something you want? Something akin to the to the fifteen lab, but again, that took so long to happen. Yeah, and I don't. By the time it happened, like, cool, it happened. It happened on the deathbed right. of the previous game. But I guess Seven Remake comes with the unique advantage of it not being one game. <laughs> I guess we could call yeah. it an advantage because they could technically do this whenever they release a Seven Remake, like a future one. Yeah, but I want it like in March. <laughs> I'm patient with this one. I could really wait. I don't mind waiting on um like a seven lab seven remake lab like i'm not i'm not gonna be the type that's asking every leveler so when are we getting that seven remake collab Nah, i learned from the 15 remake collab i mean the 15 lab excuse me um yeah just be patient yeah but no one's patient on the internet slot i don't i guess i don't even know what items i'd want because we have cloud's basic outfit cloud's hair is a unique reward from like contests um, so I guess the his sword. I don't know, like, what else I'd really ask for. Yeah, have teeth. Oh. Yeah, hey. yeah, no? yeah. I don't know. The sword is so the only thing that comes to mind personally. Aerith outfit. Yeah, people just want outfits of all the characters. I guess. Yeah, Tifa or Aerith outfit. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Dude, people would freak for a Tifa outfit. Don't even get me started on Tifa outrage and how bullshit it is. Trust me, I'm I'm with you there. The bullshit's the bullshit meters at maximum when it came to that. When it came to people, certain people's reactions. <laughs> She's not thick enough. Dude, Sly, that look is scaring me. It's scaring me, Sly. Y'all motherfuckers nasty. That's all I gotta say. Coming, coming from the guy who 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 spun out a dick chariot conversation over the year. <laughs> Y'all motherfuckers nasty. <laughs> All right, I agree. 
but yeah, seven remake. Um, I mean, Nomura is also working on the designs for characters in fourteen. Mm-hmm. It's just is it's really that much of a concern of it disrupting the game's launch. I mean, but that's adding on to the work that he's currently doing. I guess, yeah. Unless he's, unless he's killing two birds with one stone and we don't know about it. That would be fancy. Yeah, I remember for the longest time they just kept saying, that, yeah, 15 collab maybe someday, and then it just it happened. It's like they just kept saying, yeah, someday maybe, you know, yeah, we've talked about it. And then it was there. Maybe that'll happen with 7 Remake. Maybe. I don't. So... They also asked about eight remastered if that would warrant any sort of like re of any sort of collaboration. Please, please. What do you want from the eight remaster uh, collaboration if we got one? Fucking anything. Okay, you're gonna have to be a little more specific than that because we have no, balls like, out. Really, for... just anything. They could put anything from eight in. Like, I would be fucking ecstatic. Dude, our whole raid is themed on eight. <laughs> I mean, have an entire job that d- literally has all of Squall's animations. Yeah. Zell's face tattoo, Zell's outfit, Cypher's outfit, Cypher's gunblade, Angelo Min... Okay, Angelo Minion wins. I'm down for that. Only if I can fire him out of a cannon. <laughs> That's it. It's the only way I'll accept that, to be fair. <laughs> Grindy, you're not wrong. I, I would not mind a uh, Quistus um, minion. I really wouldn't. Yeah, but that's not what all that he said, Sly. <laughs> you're feeling he's he's implying that you want Quistus to whip you. Don't threaten me with a good time. How do we go? For, you know what? Never mind. Whatever. <laughs> um, they did say it's a coincidence that we're getting a lot of Final Fantasy Eight stuff. Right about now, but that, uh, you know, they don't want to betray the expectations people have of Eden being Final Fantasy VIII themed. So I think that kind of tells us we can expect quite a few Final Fantasy VIII themed bosses but they to pop said up in there. The, what was the exact words he said? Um, that will, ch- like, the raid will challenge our imagination or something along those lines? Uh, I don't remember exactly what the line was, but I do recall a statement of the, of that kind where he, oh, and slide dived. Oh, he wrote it down. Okay, that's yeah. that's the notepad that Ephes writes his things in. Yep. Mm. Yeah, it was something along those lines, but yeah. Are um, speaking of which, like, kind of going off on a tangent here. Uh, yeah, battling against the Warrior of Light's power of, or Warrior of Darkness power of imagination. So, are we thinking this is something like Omega, and they're just going off nostalgia, which is fine. You know, if they were going off nostalgia, Eden is really not a t- is really not a place to go there. Omega, Alexander, Bahamut, those are way more nostalgic themes. People remember Eden, but Eden is essentially given no backstory whatsoever. Is 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 so right. it could be completely irrelevant to your playthrough because it is an optional, you know, super OP summon. Um and yes, it has, you know, its notoriety of having an no, no, no. insanely long like summon animation. But... Well, it's powerful but you know <laughs> squall beats it out by like how much damage a lot if you have a fully yeah. charged lion heart he can i mean eden can get to a pretty high number but a lion heart will just absolutely annihilate the total exactly. damage so you can deal with eden 
especially even fully boosted. It's just not even comparable. I just wonder if one of the big things for me is I want a lot of originality in the raid after Omega, um, especially because mm-hmm. one of the biggest things is I feel like it lets Soken flex. And it's weird because I, you'd think that when you ask me about the raid fights later, I'm obviously going to be talking about how they are difficulty-wise mechanically. But before, right. I'm thinking mostly about impact of like the first time doing it, how, how a normal player will see that fight and not see it through my eyes. And Soken's right. impact on how we enjoy content is incredibly high. So as much as I love nostalgia, sometimes the if any if Omega taught me anything, and sometimes nostalgia doesn't beat out something that you know is pumped out from, I guess an original Rich standpoint. Down. The best, I mean, the yeah. big, biggest impacts were Omega and O twelve. I mean, O O10's music, you know, we were familiar with. O nine, we had heard, you know, it's Final Fantasy one, so cool. But but Final Fantasy, but O eleven and O twelve had massive impact because Soken kind of got to do his thing, even if it was some of it taking, you know, samplings from various points of Final Fantasy XIV up until that point. Other works that he did, essentially. I feel like Soken doesn't need a lot to kind of flex. He just flexes just to begin with anyway. Like, you give him you give him source material and he, like, he makes it his own thing. And if you just let him, like, do something really original, like, that's like, like you said, that's where he kind of shines, in my opinion. Yeah, and so I, I, you know, as much as I'd love to hear Soken's interpretation of Force Your Way or Man with the Machine Gun, you know, Final, Final Fantasy VIII has a wonderful soundtrack that he could certainly do some work on, you know, and, and give it his own twist. I still, they're still those songs to me, and they're not songs I'll ever affiliate with Soken. I'll always think back to the originals. And so I right. want songs that are impressionable from him. And so I hope as much as they go into Final Fantasy VIII stuff, they give Soak in the Room to flex in this one location. Because his themes for the raids make the raids sometimes. They do. Chicken tenders. <laughs> and they embrace the memes, especially Koji. Yep. So fingers crossed there. because Especially because the 24 man is probably just going to be all near remixes. He probably won't have any room to flex. Like with Ivalice, he didn't really have any space to do anything but remix. You know, great remix is great themes, but, mm-hmm. you know, I'm never going to, I'm not going to ever affiliate Soken with those themes as good as they are. And it'll be the same for me with Nier, you know? True. So I just want him to, I just want him to flex. He's got, he's got a huge repertoire of songs, but, you know, I can always do with another Soken track. We all can. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, the next one's a big one. Now, for those of you who have been avoiding the 5.0 launch trailer, if anyone's told you there's spoilers related to it, I guess here's a little spoiler warning. It's a launch trailer. Like, anything they want us to know is either a red herring or not the whole truth. So, take that with, you know, what you will. But the 5.0 launch trailer we spent the entire last show talking about. We did. Most of this is just kind of reiterations of, you know, the atmosphere of it. What kind of questions it'll answer, you know, how much of the Heidelin Zodiac story will be completed, as we know, 80%. But more importantly, apparently the revelation at the end of the uh, Shadowbringers launch trailer, the revelation that uh, Heidelin and Zodiac are the eldest of primals, was, uh, you know, a minor detail. That's that's his words. It's a minor. It's you know. It's a minor. He's like, yeah. People had kind of already figured that out. You know, people had suggested it. It's not that big a deal. 
even though we were freaking out about it, a lot of it, like, like, like you said, a lot of us kind of knew, but yeah, it's, yeah, that's just small. So that just makes me think that there's something larger in comparison within, within the 5.0 story. There is. He says there's way more surprises that have way more impact than that. <laughs> so compared to these other things, that's, yeah, that's whatever. We can yeah, leave. That's we, nothing. We can that's drop that little tidbit in there. It, it only changes, like, everything we've understood up till now because, like, you know, we never had confirmation, but now we do have confirmation about it. You know, no biggie. And then it draws the question of us going to become the warrior of darkness are we just dropping our tempering and being retempered or what the fuck is you know maybe we don't maybe we're not tempered i've seen people suggest midgard's armor broke our tempering back in two point mm-hmm. you know 2.5 who knows i kind of believe that it would make sense it makes sense we yeah. reobtained the blessing of light after that but he might have broken our tempering at that point but we'll find out because apparently you know the fact that they're primals is you know who it's no big deal people you know they knew I know. We see primals every day. We're fine. Yeah. Um, next is regarding the overworld, which is a pretty hot topic in Final Fantasy XIV. Frequently, people like to say there's not really much to do in the overworld, even though I actually spend a lot of my time doing the two or three versions of overworld content we actually do get. Um, beast tribes, hunts, and treasure maps. I, I do all three of those things. And soon, fates again. Because they all make money. I mean, my 191 mil definitely doesn't disagree. It was pretty, we had a pretty good one the other day. Got my first silver Matanga two weeks ago. It was pretty yeah, nice. you said that. Yeah, it was pretty nice. It was a nice 100K in everyone's pocket for that one. But regarding the overworld, um, big thing, and we did discuss this regarding the launch trailer, um, as we kind of resolve the issues of each various zone, that, issue, that uh, area regains night and weather. So, pretty uh, pretty substantial impact. Sounds a lot like what we're doing with Eden, which is restoring the elements to the first. Yeah. Um, time does exist on the first, but the skies will always be bright. The weather and skies will change according to each player's progression. So some might see a dark night, not the job, an actual night, while others see a bright night. Cities on the first do have summoning bells, and they are able to link to the source. That's a big thing. A lot of people were wondering if we were actually going to have to go back to the source to use the market boards or anything. No, come on. You knew they were going to write us a way to not have to go back to the source for that. Come on. I don't know if you thought any other way. No, no. Like, from a gameplay, not even from a lore standpoint, just from a gameplay standpoint, I knew they wouldn't do that. It, can, it seemed kind of idiotic to even put that in from a, even from a lore standpoint. Yeah, it just doesn't, some things just you can't have them be lore friendly. You're going to make up some bullshit lore because you can, no one would have wanted to do that shit. <laughs> That's a fact. No one would have wanted to do that. I'm just interested in seeing how different the zones look. We kind of got a peek at it at the uh, live letter. They showed uh, the level 73 zone. You know, we got to experience it at the media tour. And then when they went back and did it again, it was shrouded in fog. And it looked like, you know, a normal day cycle was taking place. So um, pretty substantial differences. So I wonder how the first will look the first time we go through it versus by the time all is said and done. I'm just 
I'm kind of concerned how fast, like, I know this is just 5.0 and we haven't gotten to it. Like, we don't know about anything beyond that, but I'm just kind of concerned about the pacing and it like it feeling like everything is being done in one shot and it doesn't feel it or it won't feel like there's anything after. But it they would pretty decent job about this, but I'm just kind of a little bit. Yeah, I can understand, like, when we finished Stormblood, we freed Alamigo and defeated Xenos, and it's like, oh. In one patch. Yeah. Yeah. Then suddenly there's this whole Sukiomi plot, and, you know, and it's like, oh, okay, I guess that's what our mid-patch, like, finale looks like. Yeah, yeah. no, I I understand that. I think that's a I think that's a fine feeling to have. There's also the thought of, you know, when we're done on the first, us having this sort of permanent connection to it to be able to go there at any point. Because there has to be a point where the source and the first have like sort of problems that are equivalent to one another, one another, you know, problems that need to be solved on both versus just fixing the first and that being enough to fix the source. But we already have problems on both. Exactly. So how do they pace the plot? Because one of the biggest complaints of Stormblood was this hopping back and forth between Alamigo and Kugane, where the Alamigo plots just seemed irrelevant. Do they have to do that again with the source in the first, or how well do they tie it together so the pacing feels a little bit better? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and post this to you because um, like it's something I've been thinking about. When will we deal with Gabrant? That's a good question. We still don't understand exactly what Tartarus is leading towards. Right. That could be what takes us to near for all we know at this point. We don't know. Mm, tie it to near. In 24 men to 24 men, I wouldn't be that surprised, but... Mm, I feel like that needs to be its own thing. Maybe it is. Maybe, maybe Tartarus is involved with the main scenario plot, but there's... I mean, I couldn't I couldn't weigh a prediction on that in, you know, in, in either direction, really. There. I just want to know what guys in Astinian are going to be doing. Chat brought it up. Want to know what the bros are going to be doing? Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. Next thing that got brought up, by the way, the first interview we've been le- reading towards, and I will link it in the YouTube, is the Game Watch one. Um, and we may have to skip over some things in the various other ones, depending on how much overlap. You, what happened? You got me? Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, he posted it in the Twitch chat. I was gonna pu- I'm just going to put it in the YouTube. Uh, the next thing was re- in regards to trust, just clarifying a few things. You know, main scenario related instance dungeons, no plans to make them available in other content. Um, they aren't thinking that they are not thinking about letting players summon them in public areas. They haven't decided if they want to bring them to the source, but they understand that bringing them to older areas might help new players doing like 2.0 story stuff. I feel like they could just look at squadrons and make those available earlier as opposed to bringing the trust system, but maybe they just want to leave the squadrons in the past, you know, their own separate thing. Because they're a better form of squadrons anyway. They are. They're just smarter, but they have to... The thing about these is they have to redevelop these for every single dungeon, whereas squadrons are basic bitch AI that can get through the basic bitch fights that are early in the game. Right. So which is more beneficial, making squadrons available earlier, which can already handle all that A Realm Reborn stuff adequately, or going back and custom making trust? Maybe because they're so basic bitch, they can just throw basic trust AI out there and say, good fucking luck. I mean, how often did we get squadron dungeons anyway? And we didn't get that many to begin with. So it it seems like it takes a 
little bit of development time to like pick a dungeon, you know, develop the, um, I guess the AI for the dungeon. So I guess keep moving forward is what I'm saying. Like keep moving forward with the um, trust. Don't look back. Well, I mean, I don't know. I just think of burning through dungeons with trust because they're massively boosted stats and, you know, they're off. It just the goal with squadrons is different than the goal with trusts, where squadrons, your goal is to kind of raise these squadrons to be strong, big and strong and drinking their milk. And the trusts are meant to be allies that see you through parts of the game. If they're going to go back and do it, what? Thank you for reminding me. I, my squadron's still doing push-ups. The fuck? That's a lot of push-ups, man. Yeah, they're swole now. Yeah, guys, don't forget um, a big thing, big piece of advice. If you plan on using the world visit feature to get off of your home world for early access, uh, your free company buffs don't work on other worlds. The only way you're going to get a an EXP buff equivalent if you're world visiting is if you're using the grand uh, the the free company. The Grand Company Squadron manuals that mimic the Free Company buffs. The Squadron manuals. So uh, please keep that in mind because you now only have one, two lockouts worth of manuals before this shit actually goes down. If you can actually get to that point quickly enough. So don't forget that. And it is the same bonus as the Tier 3 buffs from FCs. They're just personalized and I think they last three hours instead of like a day. So, please keep that in mind. Uh, but yeah, I, I also think back to trust having to be, like, relevant to the point of the story you're at. So, they'd have to go back and, like, do OG-ish Tola and, you know, OG, like, all the OG characters and make them like they were back then before all the... I don't know, it feels like a lot of working backwards for trusts when squadrons are already strong and can fulfill the role that they kind of need to with trusts for that older content. I think making them available earlier would just be better. Personally. I think it's a character preference kind of thing for a lot of people. You know, them being able to run with Yishtola and Menthelia and things. It, it's, I think there's a little bit of sentiment for a lot of people. Maybe make, tr- maybe make you know, trust characters recruitable for squadrons then. Like, you know, trust equivalent characters available for squadrons. I don't know. Make I just don't see a point in bringing rare? trusts earlier. Make them rare? Yeah, maybe. Make them make them rare. Make them, you know. I don't know. No matter what, there's a... there's a. I feel like the, the lowest effort way to do what they are considering doing with trusts in 2.0 areas and onward is to just make squadrons just available earlier. Hmm. And more streamlined in, like, the unlock process. But I think that would be less work than taking trusts and trying to shove them back into everything and make it lore friendly. And I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Yeah. A trust gotcha. I mean, if you, the way trusts work now, it almost, I mean, the way that uh, squadrons work now, it almost is. It's just a gamble between certain trusts or certain squadron members, depending on the objective you do. Yeah. So um, they went back to Eden again, because this was, there was a topic about Final Fantasy VIII and then a topic about Eden. Um, and we just got a few more clarifications. It's closely tied to the main scenario. I tried to pry him about this. So this was the answer I was trying to get, is how closely related it is to the main scenario. And he thought I wanted to ask him, tell me how, tell me it, tell me the story. <laughs> it's like, no, it's like, that's a spoiler. And I'm like, this is the answer I wanted. The answer that he gave right here. 
Uh, anyway, after clearing the 5.0 MSQ, a certain character will involve themselves in the Eden story. Sid. I always think it's Sid, to be fair. Or Nero. He's my boy. Uh, probably won't show any gameplay footage of Eden, and uh, the difficulty will be close to the creator, which is the same difficulty we've had over how do you years. feel about that that's when i read that i was like a lot of people are gonna a lot it's, of it's a, it's been that way for two years now what are people gonna be upset about because people wanted you know something a little bit more difficult that's what we have ultimate for i still think they need to make more fights in a raid tier for savage for to to spread the difficulty curve so people don't have these huge jumps in difficulty but other than that, it's like, I don't know, it's not like anyone could have expected anything different. It would have been silly to think it wasn't going to be like Creator again, after literally over two years of it being that way. I don't know. I don't know why anyone would think it'd be different. Oh, but the mechanics will be fancy, so maybe that'll make up for people with the low DPS checks. Then again, Sly, people still don't know, realize that Nier is our 24-man raid for the expansion. They think it's just like a one-time collaboration. Mm -hmm. And they also don't know that it's in 5.1. So here's another reminder, both from the interview and from me. Our 24-mans come in 0 .1, 0 .3, and 0 .5 patches. And Nier will be no different. Plenty of people who are new to the game. It's new information to them. People who have played for four years. You should know how it works by now. <laughs> it's just this. It says they said it's gonna be very near-ish. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that means. I don't even know if Yokotaro knows what that means. You're like, yeah, I don't he probably know. Does. No, <laughs> he probably does. No, Yokotaro, we're talking about. No, he he doesn't know. <laughs> just a lot of bullet hell. Yeah. So so more Biako, I guess. I guess that's actually not a, a terrible comparison point. Yeah. Delete your character. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, man. Uh, the next point was just a precursor to what we would talk about in the 50 second live letter. And also the rumored new project, which isn't even a rumored new project. We know Yoshida has another project under his belt. Um, for those who missed it, the most recent change in the uh, fiscal year the uh, business division that used to host Final Fantasy XIV and Final Fantasy XI got renamed from the fifth business division to the third development division. And they now host XI, XIV, and a new unknown project that nobody knows anything about. Some people think it's an MMO because XI and XIV are MMOs and it's Yoshida. So, you know, why not? Some people suspect it could be Final Fantasy XVI in a high fantasy setting, which Yoshida has said that he would really like to do another Final Fantasy in that type of setting. Um, I still think it's the new engine trailer that they showed off. It has something to do with that. That's where I'm guessing. I hope it's 16. You know how many years people have said Yoshi P should be in charge of it? Here's the thing, though. He's in charge of it, but it's not like he's sitting down making, I guess, every decision. Like, there should mm -hmm. be a producer and a director under him since he's the head of the division. In theory. I don't know. Maybe they don't have it that way. But I hope it's 16. Because I would very much like a high fantasy, Yoshida-driven, high like just single-player RPG. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that's what it is. All he said is they'll never do what they did in the past, which was, you know, update a dying game. 
in that of 1.0 while making a new game. So I'm guessing he's just saying they won't fuck this one up. Because if they did, it'd be fucked up. They wouldn't remake a game if, a game if it came out wrong again like that. But that's it for the first interview with GameWatch. And next on the list is 4Gamer. Which starts with something I'm sure most of us noticed today when we took a look at the world list and its updates between preferred and congested and all that. But they are double the amount of pre-orders for Stormblood uh, or for Shadowbringers compared to Stormblood. It said that they'll be punished by God if they ask for any more success. <laughs> wow. Okay. It's it's, uh, it's pretty pretty intense. Slice slice just speechless. He's just like, all right, they'll be. I mean, he's like, Sly's like, dude, ask away. What are you talking about, man? Please. <laughs> um, to and we actually have numbers to back that up. Lucky Bancho released uh, another census, and it's you know again those are never a hundred percent certain. Normally they lowball things though. Normally because there's some people that have information hidden or the information isn't scraped entirely accurately that don't represent the entire player base. Um, and even that shows over a million current active characters. Which is does not happen ever. We've never looked at a lucky bancho. If you look at the history, I think the highest we saw was nine hundred and eleven thousand at some point, based on his previous scrapings of data. So it was pretty intense. You say lowball? Well, because he can scrape a certain minimum of data, but he usually has things that eliminate non-active players and bots usually mm -hmm. so like for example player i don't know what i haven't looked at what his uh his criteria was for this one but like if you're below a certain level if you haven't been playing a certain number of days or if you have your achievements hidden he can't scrape your data at all so generally you have to assume whatever he's projecting is slightly lower than what will be actual reality hmm. so we can we don't know that for certain that's that's the thing about you know scraping data is there's lots of yeah, it's just a straight-up one-to-one ratio of what's available. So we can't ever say for certain what's actually happening in that information. But it's pretty crazy to think. We kind of touched upon it last week that uh, Final Fantasy XIV is at the success point. Some people say it's the WoW Refugees. Some people say, in fact, everyone says it's the WoW Refugees. <laughs> Everybody says it's the WoW Refugees. <laughs> no one's like, oh, Final Fantasy XIV is just doing all this cool shit. They're like, fucking BFA, man. <laughs> I mean that and a lot of people a lot of people are trying it for uh for the first time through promotions through twitch promotions um it's we're, we're getting like it's not just the refugees but the refugees make up a good good amount of that percentage yeah the blessed refugees all 12 of them. those exist oh man now, speaking of World of Warcraft and WoW Refugees, uh, did you notice when Rise of Ashara is coming out for World of Warcraft? No. June 25th. <laughs> Honestly, I've, everyone's, <laughs> everyone's looking at it the wrong way. <laughs> everyone's looking at it. Everyone's like, oh, oh wow. Blizzard's, Blizzard's trying to compete with Shadowbringers. Why would they do that? It's so stupid. Y'all are looking at it the wrong way. It's literally the perfect time for it to come out. It couldn't be a better time for Rise of Ashar to come out. 
Because you now have something to do until the 28th. It's perfect. Play Judgment. <laughs> That's God, it. You like Dude. Yakuza? Play fucking Judgment. They're play. Oh, God damn it. Maybe Rise of Ashara is really good. So I haven't been playing BFA. Who am I to say that it's shit? I'm only listening to what other people are telling me. I've got no opinion. It's not an expansion, by the way. It's it's the new raid patch. Normal raid mode patch, yeah. comes out on the 25th. Heroic comes out, or normal, no, LFR comes out on the 25th. Normal Heroic is on July 7th? Question mark? That doesn't sound right. July 6th? July 9th? July 9th. And then uh, Mythic is like July 23rd or something. I don't know. My my, it's It's something about there. But yeah, um, dude, it's perfect, dude. Now people have stuff to do from the 25th, to 26th, and that whole day the game's down on the 27th. Perfect. Hmm. If, if you're not buying Bloodstain, you still got some sub time left. You could do. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Came out yesterday, last night. Big game. I do hope that I don't want World of Warcraft to do poorly. I don't. I feel like it's wrong to want competition to do poorly. Because it, you know, competition breeds innovation, or so they say. Um, that being said, that's a ballsy move to do it on the twenty fifth. Not about that. <laughs> it's ballsy, man. I don't know, about that. I don't know. dude. Yeah. Don't forget, Wild Classic is end of the summer. Oh. <laughs> oh no 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 no! Wait 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 wait! Please tell me. Please tell me you saw the um, the video that was posted on Reddit when Yoshi P was asked about. <laughs> yeah, no, we were gonna get to this. I did. I did say we'd have a quick nod to Easy Allies at some point. Mm. Yeah, hell of a question. It was, dude. You know who my favorite Soul Caliber character is? Who? Nightmare. <laughs> Nightmare. God damn it. Yeah. Somebody asked oh, somebody asked Yoshi P. Um Easy Allies, the media outlet Easy Allies asked Yoshi P if they would ever do a 1.0 server. And his only reply in English was nightmare. Nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Before the before the reply even came out, as soon as the words 1.0 were uttered, he just started dying. Like he couldn't hold that shit in. Ivy, poor Ivy had the read through <laughs> while he was just sitting there dying of laughter and then nightmare. Well worth it. <laughs> if you haven't seen that clip, by all means, go look it up. Yeah. Easy Allies, E3, Final Fantasy 14. You'll find it. Trust me. You'll find it. Uh, next little bit's just... Hrothgar and Viera, just like where they fit lore-wise, like Viera have a village, Hrothgar are part of the Gunbreaker quests, and Vieras have a village, and you'll have to find out about their lore and lifestyles. Yeah, yeah, just basic background stuff, stuff you'll no doubt encounter when you play through Shadowbringers. But the next bit is something people have been in the dark about for a very long time, and people have wanted more information. We did bring a lot of this stuff up last week. Uh, when we were talking about the patch, uh, the launch trailer and the live letter, Ishgard restoration. 
We all thought it was pretty much just going to be Dolmen Enclave 2.0, but they're trying to do some things that may or may not work out. To be determined. To be determined big time. So Ishgard Restoration, first of all, uh, we confirmed with the Gamerscape interview, which we will reference later, that it is timed for 5.1. This was kind of expected. They tend to do these kind of more ambiguous things starting in the patches uh, subsequent to the launch. And it's not Domain Enclave. If it is Domain Enclave 2.0, it's like the Realm Reborn to the 1.0. Like, it's not just hand in items and get story quests be done. Mm-hmm. Apparently... Crafting... Crafting Feast? It's pretty much described as both a server-wide effort to rebuild, which is what they initially described. It's not a personalized, like, per-person progression thing like Doma was. But it also has a ranking system where people who, and they don't go into any more detail, people who provide the most contributions, uh, at least, you know, whether it be point-wise or or whatever, um, they actually get to the top of a list and they'll earn things like rare titles and a luminary equivalent uh, primary tools. And then once you've been the top contributor, you graduate and you won't be top a single time. You basically will get nothing for the character. Um, I don't know if Yoshi P understands people who craft regularly have alts. So we'll see if somebody just tries to claim season after season after season on alt after alt after alt. Oh, we know that's going to happen. That's not my biggest concern. My biggest concern is bots. Okay, let me let me give you let me give you. I have experience with this already. I've played Ishgard Restoration. Okay. It's called Hamlet in 1.0. Hamlet in 1.0 was a dual system between crafting and combat. It would start right. where you'd provide supplies to an outpost that was being attacked by beast tribes, the Amalja, the uh, Ixal, and the Cobalts. And in the process, what would happen is the top contributor would uh, gain benefits, gain bonus loot from the Hamlets if they participated in it during a set period of time. Um, Second place and third place would also have higher drop rates, but it was a required step for the Relic. Everyone had to earn these certain items from Hamlet once. You told me about this. Yes. Basically, every time you completed a Hamlet, an actual like combat mission in Hamlet, there was a chance that anyone could get a personal loot item that was required for the Relic, and you needed three from each Hamlet. The player who was top in the Hamlet would have a 50% drop rate on that, and everyone else would have like a 3% drop rate. I think it was like 50, 25, 12% for first, second, third. I can tell you right now there were some people who didn't bot who managed to top that, but a lot of the top placers early on were bots. 100% were bots. And so I'm curious what they've done to, because they have to know people are going to try to bot this. And it seems like their solution is to try and make really high tier recipes that may or that may not be macroable and may not be bottable. I will believe it when I see it. That's because if that's the plan and it works great, but anything involving crafting or gathering, I always expect to see bots dominate it. Personally, that's just my outlook on it. It's not a very positive one, but. That's it my isn't. outlook. <laughs> I don't know if you have the same outlook or not. No, I'm kind of optimistic. In all honesty. What, okay, so how does this not get dominated by bots? <laughs> These I'm items will never be macroable. Ash, hold my beer. <laughs> oh, man. Because botting takes a lot of time. I feel like it's a lot of, like, it's time consuming. 
Like you say macro, but you know, someone had, I feel like, again, this is like, I, f- I forget what we were talking about, like maybe a few months ago, but I, I had a lot of faith in the community. You did uh, this time. You have a lot of faith in the community in, in terms of botting. And I don't, I really don't. I don't know that I'd call it faith sly. <laughs> I certainly believe it will happen. I don't believe in them. (laughs) So I'm, I'm hopefully optimistic. Good God. Godspeed to you, man. There were, I will say again, there were people who didn't bot who were, who would win Hamlets because they'd make, they'd make something that was so valuable with their time actually at the keyboard that the people who were botting the really, the, the like spammable shit, the thing that was the most efficient thing to bot wouldn't earn as many points as this individual who was there doing hardcore crafting. And see, that's what I'm saying. There has to be measures, some kind of measure to prevent this or to not really counteract it, but not even to penalize it. I don't know that they can, unless they're going to, unless they're going to try to use people's behavior in their hand ins to try and determine bot like, which is kind of hard to, yeah it's hard to do how yeah. do you do that hard to gauge yeah yeah I, I don't know that's the thing i would love for this to work i think it's great the idea of giving crafters this this actual end game this ranking system for something that is a, a crafting is very rarely such a major feature in a game so to be able to contribute to something your whole server will largely benefit from and to have this sort of personal very limited very rare item to show for it is a big deal and I want players to be earning them. I agree. So I wonder if it's like recipes that there's no way you can get 100% quality and that the quality is very much determining of what you actually get. And there might be a limited number per day that you can contribute. So you can't just sit there and bot easy shit. But even then, it's it's questionable, you know. So we'll see. Uh there's also some other things that are actually really interesting here um for those who do battle content and don't craft or gather apparently you can purchase a lottery ticket which will also contribute to it so something like the uh the mgp one but for ishgard in particular that comes with some pretty neat rewards um and on top of that after restoration reaches a certain point ishgard will start holding a seasonal festival with uh additional mini games and stuff like that so there's there's certainly more elements to it than and it's almost because it almost sounds like it's becoming a second gold saucer, but with crafters involved. So a more lucrative gold saucer. Well, I guess one that's I guess more involved in the world would be more accurate. One that's more that, world that world too. driven. That too. Yeah. Um, each world has their own progression. You can't contribute to another world with world visiting. You cannot earn credit on another world, but you can go see how they're doing and participate in the seasonal events if another world has it and yours doesn't. Um, so there is that to consider. But the big kicker is we have now have confirmation that Diadem is getting renewed and will be tied to Ishgard's restoration. This actually isn't that surprising to me because the one thing Diadem's always been most popular for was gathering. Crafting. Yeah. Both, excuse me, Gavin. Both, yeah. I mean, you know, one one's hand in hand with the other. Um, yeah. So I'm wondering if it's moving in that direction or if uh, participation in the diadem and things you earn in the diadem via combat will 
be another combat equivalent of being able to contribute. Mm -hmm. uh, but no, any, no other details. Any improvements on Diadem, you think? I mean, you I, know, I think, yeah. I mean, there has to be, but I think the biggest problem with Diadem is it not having a reward structure. So tying it to Ishgard might give it the reward structure, the long-term reward structure it kind of needed. Um, mm -hmm. This whole rolling for pink RNG gear... It just, it didn't work. It didn't work for Diadem. The The content itself was subpar even by, like, you know, exploration content. Even by Onimo standards, Diadem content was basically the baby version of that. And they've learned a lot in years of doing Eureka. They've seen, you know, what the initial reception to Pagos was, how the reception to Logos actions were. Um, you know, things people liked, things people didn't like. And, you know, Diadem, you could say they should have learned that for Eureka early on, but... I think they have a better grasp on on it now, and they th I think they've seen what people use Diadem for the most. And I I feel like it's going to move in a direction of being more crafting and gathering based and less run around do fates kind of thing. So I uh, I hope I hope for I hope that it uh, it actually works out in a, a positive way. Uh, ga gathers and crafters special assistance untouched. It'll still be there. Um, there's no, there's no hours in time zone differences between like traveling. So that way, you know, you don't have to worry about, you know, unspoiled nodes and stuff having different times. So that's just a real simple thing. But since we just finished talking about Ishgard, the next major point is actually housing. <laughs> and, uh, Gamer Escape also has a question about this and a, and a pretty funny answer to it as well. But the four gamer one that we're reading right here. Specifically mentions that there are no plans on adding new plots, but because of the rate at which players are joining, they're they like we're gonna have to probably do something once 5.0 calms down. Um, they're not able to add a feature to check if there are open housing plots on other servers. You know, like an in-game way of doing it. Um, no it's plans. Impossible. Yeah, he says it's impossible, which I kind of understand. World visiting has quite a few concerns, and housing is a lot of data. So to be able to pull that data from another server probably causes issues. Especially uh, depending on the location. Um, no plans on increasing the amount of items you can place inside or outside. And no plans to adding a market board housing item. Because, again, probably because there's so much data being placed in one place. They said it would it would literally break. It would crash the game and break the servers if they did that. Lucky I live, like, right next to mine. Yeah. I mean, if the housing areas are pretty close to the market boards. Like, if you're in the housing area, you don't have to go very far to get to a market board. So I don't really see the need for it. I get it. Like if you were role playing as a market location, you might want something like that. But fuck it, just put something fake up and tell people it's a, it's your version of a market board, or tell them you're just adjacent to it or some shit. I don't know. Uh, so let's see. Yeah, uh, the gamer escape interview. They asked if we would get Ishgard housing, and he said that that's up to the players. How long have we been asking? I think he means Ishgard restoration. Because that was what it was in question to. He was asking about Ishgard Restoration, and then it moved over. Uh, in fact, I can probably read the questions that come right before and right after it. Um, it asks, you know, we know Ishgard Restoration is going to be considered crafting and gathering endgame. Can you elaborate more on what it means? He explains a lot of the stuff we explained before. Um, is Ishgard rest re uh, Reconstruction available at 5.0? That will be 5.1. Is Ishgard Housing related to the system? It's up to the players, I think. You know what's up to the players? Restoring Ishgard. And this isn't True. this isn't the first time. When when they first revealed Ishgard Restoration, it was teased 
that maybe we could live there if we fixed it up, you know? The literal, like, code. I remember Koji's coy face. He's like, you know, maybe you could live there. <laughs> and I'm like, Koji, don't translate it like that. He didn't say it like that. <laughs> That's your way of saying it. Oh, man. I like someone saying that if you win the season in Ishgard, you get a house. <laughs> that would be bullshit. I'm sorry. That would be the biggest bullshit. Well, no. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it would. It would. God. Because you'd have you would you'd have your choice, like, I'm assuming if if the um like I guess the prize pool were to work out, you were you would have first dibs on a on a on a lot. Whatever lot you wanted. And then they wouldn't do a pre-built house though. Dude, and Hammer just brought it up. Anyone who's a hardcore crafter probably has a house already. Or eight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or eight, you know, before all the changes that were yeah. made before. So no, I don't I don't think they do that. It'd be pretty fucked up. It'd be pretty fucked up. Really fucked up. It'd be pretty funny though. I'm still waiting for them to enhance the apartments. I think if they just enhance the apartment system, easier said than done, obviously. Um, that would go a long way to making people feel better. You know, having a little outdoor patch, even if it's an instanced, instanced outdoor patch where it's like just belongs to you and no one else, like it's a part of the house. I think people would still support that, but they need to do 30,000 of them because that's how many apartments there are per complex. Obviously, if someone doesn't have one and they're not in it, it doesn't generate the data, but it's, it's still not a small amount of things, you know, can't, can't ignore that. You know, right. Um, armory chest, they won't be expanding it. They'd love to add more slots, but uh, they, uh, they've, if they're going to add something that consumes so much data, they got to do things one task at a time. On top of that, there's, you know, if they're going to expand data on things, you know, housing might be a bigger demand than the armory chest. And I, we know we're getting double the space in the wardrobe. We know we're getting more plates. Um, but I totally feel for people on this one. Just uh, stop hoarding. I mean, I feel for people on this one too. Like, is housing more important for some people? Not for me. Mel has a house. I go there to hit the dummy occasionally. That's about it. Right. I don't know. I feel like this one takes priority a little bit. Just a little bit. Oh, we, got, we got quite a few inventory spaces this expansion. It's really hard to add inventory to shit. We just got a, we got a pretty we got a pretty nice amount between the wardrobe, our saddle, and the actual inventory space that we got increased this expansion. Listen, everyone's like it's not hoarding when you need all the things for all the jobs on one character. I can tell you with much confidence, I can fit Almost everything, minus maybe like a gathering tool or two, if I cleaned my shit out. But I haven't. <laughs> my saddlebag is fucked. A lot of us haven't. <laughs> my saddlebag is fucked. My retainers are wide open, to be honest. And I, I consider myself a hoarder. I had to do spring cleaning like a month or like a month or so back. That's when I started leveling shit, just because I wanted to get rid of armor. I just need some glam, dude. Just need some fucking glam. 
All right. New Game Plus. Uh, there's nothing new about it. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't really learn anything. It'll be in 5.1. We learned that. Cool. Man, that's, that's pretty much it. That's all we really learned. We still don't know if you can use it to gain EXP on a secondary or, or tertiary draw, uh, job. But still. Uh, but, but the Eden Genki uh, interview touches on this, and we'll get to that in a few minutes. But yeah, it's a little bit more. Uh, here's some really important things. So to, we'll do the second two. We know about the left-handed gamepad. It's not even left-handed. It's a left hand. It's just designed for the left hand. But it's not for left-handed players only, which is something I have a hard time. I like. I keep saying left-handed. Um, the that's the hundred and thirty dollars pre-order. Listen, you know what? Instead of getting a left-handed, uh, left-hand gamepad sold by Hori. Um, you could also just go to SteelSeries.com and use discount code MrHappy10 to get the Apex M750 mechanical keyboard, which is good for 50 million clicks. And to accompany that, you could get the SteelSeries Rival 500 MMO mouse with tactile alerts and customizable extra buttons. Just save 10%. Use the discount code MrHappy10. Thank you for sponsoring SteelSeries. Thank you. Thank you. But the more important thing is they confirmed that level 70 and Stormblood skip potions will both be available during early access. A big question a lot of people, myself included, have had. So for those of you who are waiting for that, it will be during early access. Um, I need it for an alt for rating. I know because he's he's on 4.5, but I don't want to level Machinist on him. At least not to 70. So I know that feel. Because you'll, be, uh, you'll be maining Machinist on your alt too? No, I'll be maining Dancer, but I want all three of the ranged physicals leveled. Gotcha. So, there you go. Um, there's no mention of a limit. I, I don't see a reason to add a limit. And there's also no mention of Samurai and Red Mage. We know there won't be any for Gunbreaker Dancer, but there's no mention of adding uh, ones for the other advanced jobs other than the Heavensward ones. So, we'll have to wait for more information on that. Oh, and now that's it for the second interview. But before we go on to the third, what do you say we do our uh, Patreon shoutouts, Sly? Wait. You take care of that. I got to go to the door real quick. All right. He's got to go answer the door. So I'm going to do this. So that's actually perfect fucking timing as far as I'm concerned. So everyone, in case you didn't know, we already mentioned Steel Series is one of our sponsors. But we also have patrons over on Patreon who support the channel through hashtag demonetize sly learned that and was reminded of that in a very direct way during his live stream earlier so i'd highly advise going to sly's twitter and seeing what i'm referring to uh we of course have our patrons of light and it's very soon to be our patrons of darkness kujacross on genova and Kurinai oni let me grab the media list that i have here there we go i don't have any new images for him but all the same we have to thank them that's kujacross from genova and then behind them, because one is a widescreen image and one isn't, we have Kurenai. So thank you to our patrons of light slash patrons of darkness for supporting through hashtag demonetize and being far above and beyond supporters. But we must appreciate all the names on this list. So we have our State of the Realm sponsors from other tiers as well. We have our standard State of the Realm sponsors of 
Omni Geek, Kareth Jarris of Crimson Guard, John Anananan, Kazron, Mika, Jay Gardner, Benjamin, Irish Rager, George, Batar Garl, Yufa Kenshion, Excalibur, Scumlord, Itsumi Amarillo of Gilgamesh, Ravik, Card Dragons from Fanfret, Sacred Drake from Balmung, Edge Pharaoh, Ultras, Jerica, Emma, Zernik Borg 13, Krista Usuki of Bryn Hilder, Craze the Meter from Midgar, Rajan Ventanis from Cactar, Carol, Seraphina, Edelise, Senchi, Shadow Link on Tonberry, Dom, Asuka Wake from Genova, Lamillionella of Maker Summer, Sarah in the Fennel Family, Johnny Yatsuya, Kifkin, the Grey Eagles on Exodus, Kat Aoshi from Kujata, Rylander Westos, the Purple Warrior, Adric Red Steel on Exodus, Lexi Valentine, Mantaran, the Revivus FC from Zodiac, Sour Cream and Tribes from Genova, Renault Chikara, Goish Falfer of Siren, Phoenix Down FC on Goblin, and Siren from Zodiac. Then we have our Elite State of the Realm sponsors, which is the tier just below our patrons of Light. We got Christian, Corsten Safari of Brynhildr, Samael Astorius of Excalibur, Inlis88, Eluria Maylene, Noel, Sumbla, Nakunayame, Shana Senpai of Behemoth, Zoshime Hasha of Fanfret, Beatriz, Kuzuzu, Vapatiyama from Diablo, Shadow Ari of Brynhildr, Zeravire of Coral, Alchemy, Shinka, Casual Heroes FC on Midgard, Sarmer, Tatachtaka on Hyperion, Kanazuki from Genova, Yusarla on Coral, Sathal, Sarah Frost from Behemoth, Holy Tabasco, Crash 015, Serenity FC on Ultros, Kat Kazuma, Ignis Fergan from Excalibur, Blesher of Pamphlet, Not Quarters from Excalibur, Krovis Moonscar, Private Mikey, Nada Kiriusami, Rudy Rudiger, Killer Hackman, Wall Jr., and Kiltastic Jones. So thank you to. Thank you, everyone. Yes. Sly's become intimately familiar with Patreon in recent times. Very intimately. God damn it, Epps. I did nothing wrong. All right. Now, with that, you're all good. Your door's answered. You're good to go. Yep, brought my package in. Mm. It's a late package. It's like 8 o'clock. Yeah. The fuck are they doing? <laughs> it's, it's delivered by 8 p.m., not at 8 p.m. Yeah, I was expecting it earlier, but I don't know what the fuck I happened. would expect it earlier as well. That's what I'm talking about. All right, so the uh, last JP interview we actually have um, sourced in this initial post is uh, Dengeki. Um, and again, it's, uh, it's, we kind of covered a lot of the details in regards to a lot of the stuff. So this is, this one kind of got added after the fact, because there is a lot of recurring information between all of these. Um, one funny one is apparently that the reason why 4.5 ended the way it did, which is very like, didn't really like let, leave us on like an intense note. Right. Was because people said, oh, it's such, so predictable. It's always cliffhangers every time. It's so like, all right, so we won't do a cliffhanger. <laughs> but it was a cliffhanger. But it was a very was so subpar cliffhanger. It were so many cliffhangers. Like it was a pretty. It was like, hey, the Crystal Tower, cool. <laughs> That's it. And it was Varus, like, I'm gonna fuck all these Aorzians. <laughs> That's what his face said. So it said, said, next time they're gonna make it hype as fuck. Alright. <laughs> so please look forward to 5.5, please. Um, another thing is that the main story will apparently have a previously on Final Fantasy 14. Oh, they're gonna do the whole TV thing? God damn it. They said it's he I like that he says it isn't too annoying. <laughs> I hear it in the Dragon Ball Z announcer. Next time on Dragon Ball Dragon Z. If they imagine they play that exact, they got Bruce Falconer, they got that theme. They're just like, yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, that's a good time. It's a good time. Uh, they 
Apparently, they just said the last boss feels like a last boss for 5.0. <laughs> really? Good job. So... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's my reaction, too. It's like, well, you don't say. <laughs> Thinking emoji? Thanks. What? Okay. <laughs> well, they said the last boss is difficult. you let us know. I'm glad... <laughs> Thank well, you. I guess they were comparing it to Shinryu. They're like, the difficulty's like the same as Shinryu. But it feels, you know, despite that, because, you know, some people as would argue... As long as it's as epic as Shinryu, I'll take that. Yeah, I think the big thing is that, you know, the normal modes of, like, Thordin and Shinryu, they're not very hard. So, right. you know, when you're projecting a final boss and people beat it in one pull, it's kind of like... How do you... You have to make it feel like a last boss. And right. that's... That epicness is... uh what they're aiming for with this one right here. So just expect it to be an extravaganza as far as they're concerned. Next is about dungeons. Um, and also they're changing design for dungeons. So a lot of these questions are about like how they're going to design features that have kind of like already been there. Cause there's fates, there's new game plus again. Um, for, so for this one, they've stopped thinking about dungeons about like how intensely people need to consider the fights. Cause it's just not, content designed for like the upper echelon of players it really isn't too much it's few aoe's it. yeah people are requesting it but the average dungeon is not designed that way no so they now look at it how can we make this dungeon as enjoyable as possible not how Maybe is it quicker <laughs> well they they talk about and they've been working on this a lot since even heaven's word i remember the airy was probably the first time we saw this where you can see the dungeon falling apart as you go through it and it's not the first time they did that but i'd say in terms of uh visuals it was the first time it was as yeah. grand yeah aesthetics wise it's nice yeah but from a gameplay standpoint they just wanted to make it look like so there's like organized surprises, real-time shifts in the battlefield, things like that that make you feel like it's not more yeah, more involved. It's not, but you feel it because of the I guess intensity of the uh surroundings. Um especially considering most of the dungeons in 5.0 are main scenario related, you know, picking the location, tying it to scenario. They they really want those things to come across in the dungeon. You know, they don't want you to just go through and be like, "Well, I'm Made it to the end, guys. Woohoo! Even said the dungeons in the later half will be quote surprising unquote. Mm. Now I'd like to remind you, Sly, that we still don't know what the quote bonus dungeon we're going to be receiving in 5.0 is. Uh, normally, our expansions come with eight dungeons: one at you know the the one, three, five, seven, and nine, like seventy-one, three, five, seven, and nine. And then three at 80, but there's a ninth dungeon that we don't know about. We don't know what it's about. We don't know if it's replacing the trial. We don't know if it's like Praetorium. We don't, we don't know if it's just them taking a trial and referring to it as a dungeon. We don't know. And I don't know if you've, you've kind of sussed out how you feel about that dungeon. Cause I don't think it's going to be a trust dungeon. That was one of the things we had suggested on a few, on a previous yeah, show. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. It's not going to be a trust dungeon. Yeah. It's just going to be extra content. Like kind of like, what was it? Um, Pagani Castle. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I just don't want to know if that means there's like a fourth expert or an extra main scenario dungeon at 80, but then that still have to equal nine. 
or another an extra dungeon in like the 76 78 range i don't know i can't it's hard i just maybe 78 79 80 so there's like a flow of content into level 80 that's like i guess a little bit more grand i'd be down for that I mean, I'd be down for filling in any of the level ranges. Sometimes it really sucks having to do that same dungeon for like a couple levels straight. So uh, I still think I still think you know going from the zero to the one level, like 70, 71, 60, 61, is still the worst. But I also understand why they probably wouldn't add a dungeon in that range. So right. uh, I don't know. I hope that it's. Uh, I hope it's cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then we have fates. <laughs> Lovely. Um, the big thing with fates is again we're, we're talking mostly about design aspects is making them better. <laughs> they use the Ozim step fates in the reception to the way the fate system was done in the Ozim steps. That's the long chain. Yeah, you're right. Though it's like sixteen fates long. <laughs> I didn't do a lot of the Ozim uh, step fates. I should have. Really didn't. I just relied on dungeon level, honestly, at that point. Most people did in Stormblood. Most people who are doing Fates are doing them for achievements or like they see an EXP bonus one or because Raul Bond said, go fuck yourself. Any of those things could have been a reason why they <laughs> might have been doing a Fate. Right. Um, but because Ozim Step Fates were the best received, they want more Fates like that. Fates that tell a story. You know, not this, oh, some dude needs to walk from point A to B, but no one really gives a shit. Quests like that. Um, the Fates in the Lakeland, for example, follow the story of Elf Knights. Who used to rule that area. Um, okay. So that's what they're moving. And we already know that they've completely reworked the fate reward system to have this like uh this uh what's it called? Reputation sort of per zone that like the more fates you do, the more uh items you can buy, you get tokens to buy those items from doing the fates in the area. There's crafting materials, there's basic components for like housing and stuff. So I, I like how they incentivized it. I am a fan of that. Yeah, I completely agree. It's because that was a big problem. Chat said it, you know, there's it's not so much that fates are bad. It's any reason we've ever been given to do them. is just not great. Atmas, you know, leveling, leveling was probably the best reason. And they've shied away from that over over time because people weren't a big fan of watch. Yokai watch. Yeah. The reasons they've given us classically in the past to do fates have not been good ones. Yeah. So they want people to feel like there's a reason for them to go out into the overworld, do these fates, earn the reputation, grind out another objective for things that they could use for their housing or for their crafting, et cetera, et cetera. So does this mean that they'll never tie fates to an event again? Sly, that's, that's too bold of a statement for me to trust in. <laughs> I will never trust that fates will not be tied to something that we don't want them to be in the future. So... Fingers crossed that you're right, but <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna hold out hope on that one. Um, and they said they're gonna be um doing away with a lot of the small one shot fates we mentioned earlier, but a big one is like collecting items and handing them in to an NPC. Nobody likes them. Uh, the only reason I do them ever is for S ranks. <laughs> That's it. I I can't I you can't get me to do them otherwise. Like, I just, and I just need, I don't even need to hand in the item for the fucking Earthcore one. So, just less shit fates and more of a reason to do them, pretty much. 
Um, new game plus a little bit more elaboration here. And when it releases, it'll have a Realm Reborn, Heavensward, Stormblood. It also have job quests, alliance raids. You can choose to reset them. You can choose to remark all of them as cleared. You don't have to worry about getting fucked out of continuing your story if you decide to trigger them as reset. It won't stop you from continuing the story that you're actually doing at the time. Um, you can replay and witness scenes not available in the never-ending journey. However... You cannot just pick where you want to start and stop. If you want to redo Heavensward, you're redoing Heavensward. Doing Heavensward. They ain't fucking about. You ain't starting halfway. It's new game plus, not new game kind of in the middle. <laughs> so keep that in mind when you're going through it. And also it's scheduled for 5.1. Yay. Yay. Um, I had actually kind of hoped it would be 5.0, so if it did give EXP, I could use it from 60 to 61 on Dancer, but it just won't be that way. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Um, I like how they have a whole section here for Machinist. Machinist. Now, yeah. it doesn't cover any of the, like, global cooldown clipping things people are talking about. It's literally just why they redesigned it and how they envisioned it. The gun is just one of many weapons, but they have all these other Edgar style tools and they just, uh, he was really scared of the backlash, but he says that, uh, you know, in terms of the aesthetic, he's heard mostly positive reactions. So he's a bit relieved. Yeah. All of the intermediate. Finally. They're not making it. They weren't able to create any standalone content for Hall the Intermediate for 5.0. Instead, they'd like you to use Trusts, which you can use over and over again in 70 to 80 content in case you're feeling uncomfortable with any aspect of your job. They sound like a bad safety net. I think the big fear is them telling people like Hall the what people want from Hall the Intermediate is to get people to do their rotations correctly. But then Square Enix needs to come out and tell people what the rotation is. And if they're wrong, they get flacked. And if they're right, then suddenly there's no player discovery in regards to rotation. I wanted to explain basic shit like, you know, don't spam fire three. <laughs> <laughs> They, they seem to have this envisionment where it's telling people too much about how to play the game. And I get that because realistically, players either want to be good or don't give a shit. There's no in-between. Even like a, like a player who's not great, they may not necessarily not give a shit. They may just like, they're either learning at a different pace or they've hit like a soft ceiling for themselves. Right. So even if you added a Hall of the Intermediate, it won't save anyone who doesn't give a shit. But it's a good tool nonetheless. It is. But it's you want it for the people who are not performing correctly, but it won't save those people. <laughs> and again, it, it would be a you know, logical next step for a lot of new players anyway. So... The it's just and, novice and, and what's the next step for him? I don't know. Playing the fucking game, I'd hope, but it seems that's not working we out. Bat. We we all have that expectation, but 
Pat, so we've been asking for this for years. I I know I've been I've been on that side of the boat. Yeah. Just doesn't see. <laughs> it's not happening yet. It's just that yeah, we'll make a bad player good. The best thing you could possibly do is make some form of solo content that you have to utilize your like almost like Blue Mages Carnival, but for the jobs. Right. And that's it. And like the good players will beat it and the bad players will bitch about it. And that's it. That's the end of it. It doesn't doesn't fucking solve anything. If a player wants to be good, they'll get better. If they don't, they don't give a shit. It doesn't matter what you make for them. But I still want it. Some effort's better than none. I suppose. True. True. Uh, gear, tank accessories have overall been readjusted. That's we know about all this. Crafted, crafted gear won't have many changes. Housing's getting the preview feature, and Gold Saucer will have new content in five point one. Not Blitzball, please. It's gonna be Blitzball, isn't it? I was so ready for Mahjong to be Blitzball. Now when they actually throw it at me, I'm gonna be fucking. They're gonna throw me for a loop. It's probably the snowboarding. Okay. It is probably snowboarding. Yeah. I think it's. I think it's probably snowboarding. Yeah. I. Th- you know. Yeah. I think it's gonna be snowboarding. I like the reason why they gave. We haven't had any new Chocobo racing tracks. They. 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 they uh. Promoted the guy and no one's replaced him. <laughs> <laughs> I think they said they moved him up to to, con- to actual like combat like content development. I forgot what what uh, exactly he's in right now, but I think he works on like dungeons or primals or something. He's a, mm-hmm. he was your raid designer. They bumped him from Chocobo Racing to raid designers. Like we don't have anyone else. <laughs> Nobody else wants to make races. <laughs> what if it's something simple like Mog House? That would be really fucked up, but so fucking funny. I actually hope it happens. I actually hope it happens. By the way, he's not talking about Final Fantasy XI's Mog House, for anyone who's wondering. He's referring to the Final Fantasy VII minigame called Mog House. Yes. I just wanted to clarify, because I know some people's brains didn't immediately go to Final Fantasy VII. Funny little, funny little game. No. How about that? Oh, man. Sly, you drove him to drink. No, that was me who drove me to drink. And don't drink and drove. That. Yeah, that. Exactly. Um, And with that, that was pretty much all the JP Media. I feel like there's another interview, but I couldn't find a translation of it. Um, there, uh, I think Famitsu, I think, is missing from that list. Uh, but all the same, appreciate... Again, Carrier of Light for doing those translations. Dengeki for Gamer and uh, Game Watch. Thank you again for those interviews. Those guys are cool. I've met some of the JP Media peeps, and they are cool. I want to go back to Japan. <laughs> I know you do. I really do. I want to go to TGS. I do too. TGS is in the same location as JP FanFest. I already, I can, I already know my way around that place. Nice. TGS also has literally no room to exist. People just push you to get to your location. You have to just like shove yourself out once you get there. So I'm gonna die, basically, if I if I were to go. So I'm a little afraid at the same time. 
All for the content. All for the content. That would be a great video just to have me just like just scared in the crowd. Uh, the only other interview, not the only other one we could look at, but the only other one we're going to make time for, because we only got like 20, 25 minutes left in the show, is right. Gamer Escape. You know, we've had Fusion on the show before. You know, we've regularly referenced their content as well. So uh, I can share that in the Twitch chat, and we will also share it on the YouTube. Get to it. We uh, we didn't already mention some of the stuff from them because it was so pertinent to other topics. You know, Ishgard Restoration being 5.1. We got that from the Gamer Escape one. But there were other aspects. Some questions I didn't really know I wanted answers to, and then I was glad they asked. And one of the okay. first one is really simple. Okay. The 1.0 armor set from the original trailer and from the Shadowbringers trailer is not in the fucking game. <laughs> when he's an archer, that, that armor set's not in the fucking game. I actually like Yoshi is like, we actually only realized it recently. <laughs> like, wait, that's not in the game? <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, maybe if people want it, they will add it. It's a pretty cool looking body piece. It's a pretty cool looking harness. I just think it's funny that it's not in the fucking game. Uh, what were the odds of that? Um, another question is, and you know, you and I had just discussed this earlier, is if they would be splitting any content between the source and the first. Um, and no, they said the only thing is the job quests, the level 80 ones. It says role quests here, but I think it means job quests because I don't think the job NPCs will be able to follow us to the first. Of course. Um, but other than that, everything's going to take place on the first. We don't know about 5.x, but at least for 5.0, you know, once we go there, we'll be spending pretty much all of our time there. Again, my main concern is like our like for 5.0 is this all we're gonna do, and then we just fuck off and go back to the source, and that's it. I hope not. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. When you introduce such like a a tangential, I guess, step in the story from where we thought we were going, you run the risk of just abandoning that tangent. But I feel like that's expansions anyway. Like Ishgard was a tangent, and then you know we went off to you know we moved on to the next thing, and Ishgard was you know where the content that was there prior was that so everything's kind of tangential regardless there's always a reason to go back to those areas but um the game's not developed around them in a sense once their stories are completed mm -hmm. that's how i do it i just hope these level 80 job quests are good apparently they're supposed to be like near equal in volume to the job quests that we're used to from all the expansions which was a big concern everyone just thought we were going to lose these entire job storylines that we've been building and replacing them with one quest was like but uh, they're supposed to be pretty meaty. Hold on, my neighbor's at my door. Keep going. You got it. Don't worry. Um, so for those of you who missed this information, there's two types of quests in the expansion. Um, there's role quests, which will be mandatory to complete as part of the main scenario. Um, you'll need to complete at least one of them, whether your role be tank, healer, melee, or ranged. And uh, those will follow the heroes of the first, which we knew as the Warriors of Darkness. And their stories and how what happened with them before we met them at maybe after we met them as well. We don't know the exact details for it. Um, and you can complete all of them, but at least one of them is mandatory. But when you hit level 80, there's going to be a new job quest for you, which is, you know, we're used to that. You know, we're used to getting the job quests. I think Stormblood job quests lie were like 73, like they were like 70, 73, 75, 78, 80 or something like that. Um. And apparently the level 80 quest is supposed to be, like, close to in content. 
what we had across like Stormblood or what we had across Heavensward. They just realized that most people just don't really give a shit about it pre-80. Just tell the story all at once as one big quest as opposed to fragmenting it across like four or five quests. So if that ends up being the case, then I, you know, I'm down. Because I, I figured we were just moving away from them because it was too time consuming to write more and more job story quests. Like every expansion, they got to add, you know, they got to write a whole new expansion's worth of job story quests and then add two more on top of it. So are you, are you okay with that approach, Sly? Does it make a difference to you? It doesn't to me. No, yeah. Like, it's no big some people are really upset that they don't have those job quests as they're going through. Like they're 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 afraid they're really losing those. I mean, big it's stories. normalcy. It, 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 like for a lot of people, it's just normalcy. It's what they've come to expect. And I'm I'm, I'm okay with them deviating. It's not a bad thing. I'm way more interested in role quests, to be honest. Anyway, like some job quests have really good ones. Dark Knight, Dragoon. Uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely high points, but I'm way more invested in the warriors of darkness and learning about them as opposed to doing another set of dragoon quests or something and personally then, like, from a lore, like from a lore perspective, what possible lore within the, within our current jobs, could we learn from this, from, uh, the first Probably nothing. I mean, our jobs probably exist yeah. to some degree on the first, but not to the same. Like, soul stones and shit probably don't exist the yeah. same way over there. Because they clearly have jobs. Like, the warrior of darkness is a warrior. You right. know. But I we how it functions directly that, is different. That That's another concern. Yeah. Like, how, how it functions. Do they have abilities that we don't? Probably not. Listen, the fucking dudes back on the fucking source of abilities we don't have. Yeah. I mean, long people have been like, when 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 do I get my fourth mudra? Or how long has fucking Ham on Holy Fists known hundred fists, you know? They've always known techniques that we don't get to know at any point, or we hope we get to learn one day, so it's really gonna be that much of a surprise to them. I don't know. No. Everyone always learns some shit that's like exclusive to them. Shit, even Minfilia learns like as Oracle of Light. She, her fucking dream within a dream reduces the enemy's damage dealt for like 15 seconds. Bullshit. <laughs> Ruby motherfucking carbuncle. You mean obsidian motherfucking carbuncle? <laughs> Fat carbuncle? Fat carbuncle. Dude, you know how much I was making BBC jokes with this Amazon promotion? Oh, God. Guys, look at this BBC, this big black chocobo. What? Terrible. The British Broadcasting Company? Terrible. Europe, Fucking terrible. Europe was like, when do we get the BBC? And I'm like, don't you guys already have the British Broadcasting Company? So, next point. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> That's fine. Welcome, welcome yeah. to my welcome to my stream. By the way, this is how this is how we do. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Launch trailer. Warrior of Light is talking to an NPC that looks a lot like the merchant we meet at the start of A Realm Reborn, which can either be Brent, Brennan, or Bramont. <laughs> oh, few people were mad at this. Were mad they? The response. Yeah, a few. It was the usual ambiguous response we kind of expect. So the general theme, so the question is, 
is it something is there something there is it just an easter egg like why why is why is someone who resembles the merchant so closely available there he's like it doesn't really he doesn't really tie in with the narrative it's just a sense of consistency you know the world shattered into 14 shards when the world split because it was based off the same ether, each is, is a similar realm. There's the possibility that certain people, while not exactly replicated, will look similar on different realms. We wanted to depict that in an easily recognizable form. So we're starting this new adventure in Shadowbringers. We had this NP, excuse me, NPC show up. That's something we wanted to incorporate as a reminder that while, yes, we are starting on this new important quest. Hey, look, there we are again. So it's deliberate. While many may look similar, they are not exactly the same person who follow the same path. Their fates may be different in different realms. We wanted to depict this aspect. So you'll probably encounter other situations with other characters you come into contact with throughout history. What were people mad about? And they just wanted like something to be tied to, it, I guess. Yeah, I was just looking at like I saw um some a few people tweeted on Twitter. Like, do not that's where like people tweet, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and and someone even wrote like um next to the last part of the of the response, do not like this. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know, this all sounds fine to me. They're saying that like odds are, you know, people aren't the same, but if there is someone who's like similar, we'll just, you know, here's a little reference to let you know it's technically possible, but it's also just a familiarity thing. So I don't know. It just it seems simple to me. You might run into a character here, like, oh, that's this world Sid, or that's this world, but like they're not actually Sid, or they're not just like a doppelganger of them. They're just like this is the guy who makes all the machines here, and this is the guy who does this, and this is the girl who does that, and it's like, oh, that's like relatable to this person on our realm, and yada yada yada. Yes, yeah, so who's our first harsh font? <laughs> Who's who's dying to a spear, boys? Mm. Who knows? Um, world visit feature. Are you expecting it to impact early access? He said, uh, it seems to be working fairly well. Framework seems to be, they're pretty confident in it. You know, if you're in Balmung, though, you may run into, you know, logging issues. <laughs> I'm glad that he doesn't use any JP I guess I guess it makes sense because an uh, NA person's interviewing, but like I'm still glad that he doesn't use like a JP server as a reference point. He says right. you may want to move off of congested worlds to a less congested world if you want to play comfortably. So I don't know if you've looked at Ether and Primal on uh, on the updated congested list. It's it's looking pretty rough for Ether. <laughs> We've got five congested I, I worlds. I kind of saw that. Yeah, it's there's not very many quote less congested worlds left on Aether. <laughs> hmm. So can we just get more servers? EU just got one each, you know. It's... Yeah, y'all are fucked. We're all we're all pretty boned. Yeah. We're all pretty boned, man. Let's see, on e on Ether, let's see, on Ether, Cactar, Fairy, Gilgamesh, Sargatanis, and Siren are all congested, while Genova, Midgard, Summer, and Adamant Toys are standard. Primal, Behemoth, Excalibur, Hyperion, Leviathan, and Ultros are congested, Lamia, Famfrit, and Exodus are standard. And on Crystal, Balmung is congested. Balmung. 
There's one, two, three, four, Coral, Diablos, Malboro, and Mateus are standard, and Zalera, of course, along with Goblin and Brynhildr are preferred. <laughs> Crystal, you're about to get some new friends. Seriously, don't jump to Crystal just because of this bullshit. Again, you, you're stuck there for 90 days. Only if it's on the preferred worlds. It's on the standard worlds. Yeah. Not not 90 days. How so, long do you think they're gonna how long do you think they're gonna stay? Not long. Exactly. <laughs> they are not you gonna are stuck there for 90 days. Let's say you actually like these are for I like how suddenly it's like this terrible thing to be stuck on crystal. Like, I didn't expect you to take it there. No, no, it's not, I'm not saying it's bad to be stuck on crystal. I'm just saying like if you decide to leave and like, hey, I want to go back. Is it okay now? It's probably okay. It, it dies off in a few days or a week. Give it that long. But if you just jump ship, <laughs> if you just jump ship instantly and expect to get back, yeah, you're stuck there for nine days. Have fun. You know, that's not even the biggest concern. So obviously transferring to a standard world or a preferred world is possible, but of all the worlds I just named, only Exodus on Primal and Brynhildr, Coral, and Zlera on Crystal have character creation available. So even some of the most of the standard worlds have closed character creation. Yep. Oh boy. <laughs> yep. Boy, good luck. Now you can still transfer, but there's not very many open for creation. So, good luck. Just make more servers, forehead. That's it. <laughs> uh, let's see. They will be doing multiple instances for launch again. You know, like instance one, two, and three. However, they have fixed the the problem. With you teleporting to a world and being separate or teleporting to a zone and being separated from your party. So when you teleport with a party, everyone will go to the same instance. Good. I have a question about that, Sly. Okay. So let's say there's an instance and there's like three spots open in it and you teleport with a party of four. Is it just I does it just send you to the other ones? <laughs> I guess it would just send everyone to the next instance, which may not be the instance that people want to go to. That is a good point. I think I guess that's the only way for it to happen. I don't see how it makes sense any other way. Hmm. I'm glad that Hammer literally just asked the same. Oh yeah, and then if all three instances have you know. Less than four slots, and you have four people, for example. I don't know why I'm going to four. Most of the time I'm in these parties, I'm in parties of eight. So, right. all the same, you know, what if all the instances don't have enough space for your full party? Do they just go over limit and then cut the rest of the people out? Yeah. Is it possible for them to go over limit? It's, I mean, I'm sure it is, but do they want to? <laughs> Probably not. Exactly. I, think there's, like, I honestly think there's a, a hard cut. There is, but uh, I can't wait to see this. Why would you want to see this? Because the Reddit threads <laughs> are great. Are oh, great. entertainment. They are yeah. certainly entertainment. Yeah. Now, now, going back to the housing thing we mentioned earlier. Sorry, I just dropped something. That we... Uh, 
mentioned earlier from uh, the Gamer Escape interview, they asked about the uh, the plot lottery, the plottery for when like a house is going to become available. Uh, I don't know if you know how it works where, um, you know, when there's a plot that's relinquished or, you know, given up because it's auto demolished. Basically, there's like a, an RNG timer. So you have no idea exactly when it's going to become available and you just need to be the first person to grab it when it does you need to be there and just get lucky. And they asked if there was any consideration to changing it. And they just said, this is an anti RMT system and it will not be changed. Uh, they may add more plots, but they're not going to change the plottery system. Uh, yeah, they sure are. See hammer knows. Say, and you have faith. People won't bot Ishgard. Very, very, very odd, oddly placed faith. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's not changing. So good luck, anyone who actually cares about housing. That's why I'm glad I don't. Fuck it. All right, what else do we got here? Sly, I know you got the script club. You don't even have to. You don't even have to care. You're like, fuck it. Good luck. Yep. You got it. That's it. Got the good one. You got the good one. Uh, another big question is why the Shadowbringers trust feature only works for one player. Cause a lot of people like, like to play with their significant other. Right. Um, and there's actually quite a few reasons for it. Um, for one, there's people using it, uh, allowing multiple players to team up with NPCs. They need to set a program to track whose trusts belong to who the growth system for that them gets complicated, which by the way, confirms that you will be growing your trusts. And they are nice. not just going to be, you know, matching the level of everything. We wondered that because at the media tour, they were at 73, even though they could have technically just been 80 and synced down to 74. Um, so this kind of confirms it to a sense that your trust won't just be matching the level of the dungeon or anything like that. Um, they also mentioned that uh, the demand will be there for players who want to go into the duty finder. That gets even more confusing. It had to draw the line somewhere, but the most major thing was the AI of them because the AI is currently only developed to keep a single player in mind. They need conditions for every situation of two or three players if they're going to allow you to do partial parties, which is a big deal. Getting your AI to properly handle having multiple players who have who are dynamic and have their own decision-making process, not fun. <laughs> I already don't trust the squadrons with just me, and I only just barely trust the trust because I've played with them already once. Oh yeah, so when we um when we role play or anything, it's just us. And I was trying to think of any other scenario where it like where an NPC would be involved and it's more than one player character. The yeah. only place is Gimlet Dark. And they're they're all super scripted. I mean, but they're all like they're yeah, scripted, so that really doesn't count. Yeah, they're not part of your party or your, really your progress there at all. They can't die. They can't follow none of that shit. Right. So, uh, yeah, that's why. So, no, sorry, couples, but you're just going to have to do two separate dungeons of the, the instances of the dungeon simultaneously, side by side, just not together. Or just queue into a normal party with the both of you and just not use the trust system. Aloha, the show's not done. Stop. <laughs> Stop. Hi, Luna. Hi. No, he doesn't want me to pick him up. All right. All right. So, uh, let's see. Do you take camera angles into account when designing content? <laughs> wow. This this question came up because of Titania. 
Titania, yeah. Yeah, because of uh because people were having trouble seeing past the ads. And they said that uh the fight actually used to be way worse with camera angles. <laughs> so much so that it was like they they in development call it uh Titania Ultimate. <laughs> Just because of the camera angles. And because and you could be knocked off and a bunch of stuff. So uh they're gonna relay the camera angle problem back to the team and hopefully they can get it resolved. Um, then they then they asked how much watchability comes into play when developing content ever since the battle panel where they mentioned that they thought about the viewing experience. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, aloha, I swear to Jesus, don't, don't do it. <laughs> don't. I will pick you up and show your belly to everybody. Stop. Stop. <laughs> Show them the belly. <laughs> oh, my headset. No, it's okay. I can't hear anything now. I can hear Sly laughing. Show the belly. <laughs> That's what you get. That's what you get, buddy. He just wanted hugs. There you go. Go away. Where's my headset? Ugh, there we go. I can practically yeah, give you hugs. Thanks That's to the great a- audio quality of these Arctis Pro Wireless headsets from steel series 10 percent off anyway um they said they don't really think about developing the viewer experience much like the stream ability they just want to make sure that people enjoying it are having fun because it makes it more watchable in a sense i, I swear to god stop scratching the, i'm gonna aloha i'm gonna chase you out of here stop it you're ruining the show and by ruining i mean everyone prefers this to the show there you go you do I pet him. Okay. So they don't take streamability into account for any of the encounters. And they're not working on a Twitch extension. Moving on. Yeah. I mean, were we really expecting one? I feel like Twitch extensions are a lot like a lot more Western based. I feel like with the Twitch Prime promotion, it raised the interest in a Twitch extension. And there are some Twitch extensions that have been made by members of the community. There was one for Epiflogs that would display your Epiflogs. I think it's I've been, I'm pretty sure it's still there. But there's an Epiflogs Twitch extension. So, you know, they don't even have to be the ones to make them. You know, People will make them if there's if there's interest in them. So I can understand why they wouldn't really work on one. Uh, but first, maybe they can, yeah, first, maybe they can get the mobile app, you know, improved before we concern ourselves with Twitch extensions. Uh, man. And then the final question, a fun one. Leaks. Leaks. What was your reaction? So this question had a lot of people debating on Reddit, because the question itself is about leaks that came prior to Fan Festival, not stuff like job ability leaks. From the media tour, it's specifically about Yoshida's exact response to information that was leaked prior to the fan fests, basically spoiling certain announcements that they were planning on making. I will be fair, one of them did come from Square Enix themselves, the French client that spoiled Hrothgar, but it also made people yep. think maybe we'd get Mail Vieira, so there was a whole bunch of issue there. And his answer was, it is the worst. You know, it's they went for. Unforgivable, unacceptable, and unforgivable. 
They yeah. want to provide a surprise that it has enjoyment. Leaking information is taking away from that enjoyment and it ruins the efforts of the development team. Hundreds of people working on it daily, destroys everything they've worked for when something like that comes out and they take every such incident very, very seriously. And investigate. But it gives us something to talk about. It does. It always gives us. It, it does. Us it does. But it's. I. I mean, you know how I felt about this when we yeah. we first talked about them when they first started coming out ages ago, and that I was very yeah. much in the same boat where like I it ruins the excitement of something. It for does. Me. When all uh, when my reaction is and said, "Oh my god, it's that," instead of, "Well, that guess that guy was right." Yeah. <laughs> like it's very different i've seen people argue which way like you know if it would if it does it kill excitement for some people does it not like i saw some people say that like blue mage for example you know it didn't really affect people's lack of excitement for blue mage after the initial release um but there's other things like a new race being made available or what jobs are going to be revealed yeah things like that so it's uh it's just he just I mean he doesn't like him and you know I'm not a fan of him either. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. It's not really much else to say. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I that's just the answer I would have expected, you know. Mm. But it happens, you just deal with it, and you move on and do what you can to stop it from happening again. It's really all there is to it. Head in the sand mentality. Yeah, that's it. I mean, what else what else can you do? So that's it for the Gamer Escape interview. And with that, we don't have much time for any of the other ones. We referenced the Easy Allies nightmare situation. So I think that's all we're going to get to for, for Easy Allies in particular. <laughs> nightmare. Nightmare. I can't believe you didn't get my Soul Calibur joke. I don't really play Soul Calibur either, but I know who Nightmare is. I know. I know. It's okay. But yeah, unless there's something else you want to cover, Sly, I think that's uh, I think that's it for this week. Yeah, I think we pretty much got everything in terms of the interviews. Um, I'm pretty sure more stuff is coming out this week, possibly. I'm just keeping on Reddit. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't know oh. about any of that, but we'd hope. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, we can talk about the commercial. What's there to say about the commercial? They made a commercial for Shadowbringers, and it's got Hannibal Buress and Tom Holland. I was gonna—I mean, I technically already referenced it at the start of the show, where I said I was gonna introduce you as—I was gonna—I was gonna pretend we had Tom Holland on as a guest, and then I was gonna say, "Not just kidding," but uh, you know, there's not really much to say about it. It's just they made a commercial with Tom Holland and Hannibal Buress. Yeah, which is equally as as campy and 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 like gamer like commercially because all of every video game commercial that does stuff like that is always just like but it's also like that's still pretty cool that they made it (laughs) no one would have seen it coming so it's a pretty well it's a pretty nice surprise so It's just, yeah, it's just a commercial. I don't know. I don't really think about it anymore as it was a commercial. Dave, I just think of Dave Chappelle and he's like, you know, honestly, all I know is Pepsi paid me most recently, so it tastes better. <laughs> <laughs> it's way better than the commercial we had when A Realm Reborn was coming out where all the people walk into the, the canyon and they all transform into their characters. Yeah, I remember that commercial. Oh Anything's God. better. Off- 
Yeah. Louis Wall is at the end of it. Yeah. God. Anything's better than that. And I will take this 10 million times over from that. Well, you don't want, you don't want, you want Louis Wall in your commercials? Oh, if he's Tom Holland, maybe, but that's about it. <laughs> if Tom Holland showed up and turned into Louis Wall, but he's busy training to be the Warrior of Darkness, so it's okay. Yeah. And Hannibal Buress always makes me smile. So. That's that was that was a good pleasure. It was a, it was a combination of people. Who, I like how everyone is immediately like, "Well, d- did Tom Holland have to sign a don't spoil all of Shadowbringers?" <laughs> yeah, I'm as much trouble with Shadowbringers spoilers as he does with Marvel ones. <laughs> You're from West London, the nice part of London. <laughs> <laughs> that line is underrated. Everything Hannibal oh, Buress says is is is. Like it's just delivered with this dryness that he's absolutely correct. Right. You can't help but be like, I absolutely agree with him. <laughs> I I absolutely agree with everything that Hannibal Beerus has just said. And he just said it a way I would I would I would choose to say it as well. So yeah, there's a commercial. Go Google it if you haven't seen it. Tom Holland, Hannibal Beerus. Funny, fun. Don't take it too seriously. Some people take it way too fucking seriously. <laughs> it ain't for us. I mean, I it's for me. I thought it was funny. <laughs> I mean, I'm already playing the game, so yeah, you're right. In that case, it wasn't made for me, but right. Anytime if I, I mean, it's still funny. It's, it's yeah, still funny. It's Hannibal. It's listen. I like Hannibal. That's <laughs> it. It's like it's like Beerus and Tom Holland. What else? What else is it? Is there is there to say? Ah. Uh, with that, uh, yeah, now I think we can wrap up the show. Yep. So uh, thank you, everyone, for watching. So Sly and I have been talking, and the current plan is for next week's show to be Thursday, the day that the server should theoretically be down at noon Pacific. This would be uh, hopefully on the preliminary patch notes, which we normally receive when the servers go down. Um, we are kind of banking on them being available by midday. I haven't actually looked, and we maybe should take this opportunity now. Look at patch 4.0 preliminary patch notes. I don't even know that they do. Yeah, they do 4.0 preliminary. So 4.0 preliminaries came out June 15th at 6 a.m. So that was four hours, I believe, after the servers went down. So... That, in theory, means we should be fine for a noon show on the 27th. And we're doing this at noon, so y'all can go the fuck to sleep. Yeah. So I can go to sleep, so Sly can go to sleep, everyone mm-hmm. can go to sleep. Literally, the plan is, state of the realm, stuff my fat fucking face, pass out, wake up for early wake access. Up. That's the plan. And it'll give you guys something to do the day the servers are down, so... It'll uh, hopefully help you pass the time a little bit in case you're someone who can't sleep and is just going to be awake the whole time. So with that, I think uh, that's the plan. And then the following show will be the Tuesday after that. First impressions of early access. Not really much to say. So thank you, everyone, for watching this episode of State of the Realm. Thank you to SteelSeries, our sponsor. Thank you to the patrons, again, who we thanked full out with all the pod champs and everything. And uh, with that, why don't we do our sign-off? So Sly... Where can they find you at, my good gentleman? You can find me at twitch.tv slash Sly AK Gray Fox. Uh, Instagram Sly AK Gray Fox 07. Um, Twitter at Sly the Fox. YouTube.com slash the Velvet Room. I 
play a lot of games. And right now I'm playing uh, Bloodstained, which came out yesterday. Really fun. Like Metrovania's, get it? Really good. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm just here so I don't get fined. That's what he says, but he, he got the opposite of fine. And Happy, where can they find you? You can find me, Mr. Happy1227, at Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, and also on Sly's Twitter feed, if you would quickly go there and realize that he forgot that he was getting paid for Patreon as well, because it supports us. <laughs> and so I hadn't done that in a while, so I took care of that for him. <laughs> but I did it live on stream, so he would feel really fucking weird, and then he beat the boss in Bloodstain, so I'd say it was good luck. He was like, I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail. Oh, I beat it. Yeah. You had been, a retry, though. You had been losing when I got there, and then you won yeah. after I got there. So I see a direct correlation to causation, as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. I like his exact response. Wait, that must have been wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm in the chat like, it wasn't. <laughs> and everyone else is like... <laughs> Wait, what just happened? <laughs> it was fun. Listen, I looked through I looked through my financials. I was like, you know what? I need to do this. <laughs> this is this was supposed to happen anyway. So uh go watch it. It was pretty fucking funny. It was pretty fucking fun. I'll wait another year and wait for you to forget, and then we'll do it again. Got it, Sly? Got it. Got it. Perfect. I won't say when, but we'll do it again. All right. He's like, why can't you give me the slow trickle? <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I don't go slow, Sly. I'm all in or not in at all. Giggity. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, but with that, we're going to move into a short post-show. We'll see you next Thursday at noon Pacific to talk about the patch notes. And hopefully, again, those patch notes are available. If they're not, we'll bullshit a show together. Fuck it. That's what we'll need to do anyway. So uh, thanks, everyone, and we will see you next week. Until then, bye-bye. Have a good week.